He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. They shape how we see almost everything. I'm talking about metaphors. Metaphors are like a linguistic lens that we have on the world, and they affect and impact how we, how we understand and interpret reality. Uh, there's an author named Eugene Peterson who realized this one day when he was counseling. He was a pastor. He was counseling a couple, and they were talking about their family and how their family had just become so dysfunctional, right? And in that moment, Eugene Peterson realizes, no, wait a second. Your family is dysfunctional, so what is it that you want it to be? Functional? Is that the goal? Like your family is a dishwasher and we just need to fix it, repair it a little bit, and then it's going to work rightly? We use metaphors like this all the time without necessarily even thinking about how they shape the way that we view the world. But in fact, they are always and everywhere giving us this lens on reality. And of course, when you read the Bible, you find that it is replete with metaphors and analogies and ways of seeing the world and understanding it, oftentimes in very novel, fresh, unexpected ways. Jesus, of course, is the master of the metaphor. We think of parables, especially as kind of extended metaphors. Everywhere, always, he's using, you know, the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. The word of God is like a, a seed. And over and over it is, he's always using these metaphors in order to further illuminate his work, the work of God in the world. Well, in today's gospel, we have one of his master metaphors, that of the vine and the branches. And as I've already suggested, these different metaphors that Jesus uses, they can illustrate different parts of God's working, whether it be his kingdom or whether it be the work of his word. But this image of the vine and the branches, I think, is maybe the most powerful in all of scripture for understanding the nature of the Christian life, for understanding the nature of the Christian life. So what I want to do this morning is to lift up some of the correspondences between this analogy, between this metaphor, and our life in the, the life of faith as we are walking with and following our Lord Jesus. And there's four points that I want to draw from this analogy. That the Christian life is passive, that the Christian life is organic, that the Christian life is purposeful, and finally that the Christian life is painful. I almost had four Ps in there, but I just couldn't think of one for organic, so just, you know, take it for what it's worth. The first thing to draw your attention to is that the Christian life is fundamentally passive. It's passive. Now, this is the first and most essential point to see with this metaphor that Jesus uses of the vine and the branches, is that you and I, as branches to the true vine, to our Lord Jesus, we are essentially passive. Now, you hear that word passive, that might give you a kind of a negative connotation, like, wait a second, no, I don't want to be passive, I want to be active, I want to be engaged, but understand that when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, that we are first and foremost passive. As Jesus says, abide in me, remain in me. We are simply connected to him, drawing all of our life from him. As we are the branches, he is the vine. We're just there, receiving everything from him. And he underscores this in a, a powerful way. He uses some words which, well, if we were to hear it literally translated, would make your, English high, your uh, high school English teacher a little bit frustrated. I've brought this out before. Jesus says in verse 5, uh, our translation says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But in Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, unlike in English, 
You can do double negatives. In fact, Greek, when they really just want to stress something, they'll just heap the negatives on top of one another. So what Jesus literally says here is, apart from me, you can't do nothing. (laughs) It's his way of really underscoring and highlighting how all of our life depends on him. We are the branches. He is the vine. He is the source of that life. A theologian by the name of John Kleinig puts it this way. He says that the life of faith is the receptive life. The receptive life. It's another way of thinking of it when I talk about it being passive. We receive everything from God. Our relationship to him is first and foremost one of recipients, see, of him giving everything to us. It's his grace, it's his one-way love down to us. It's not a kind of quid pro quo. It's not a, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, Lord. It's that we are the branches, he is the vine, and he's giving everything to us. We, we sap our life from him, like those buckets that we had on all the maple trees around town a couple of weeks ago, see? Drawing all of that life, all of that sap from the tree. That's what we're like, see? As the branches to the vine, we're drawing that life from Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't also an active component to faith. Of course there is. I mean, you think of, if I can stick with the metaphor, you know, the tendrils of the vine are reaching up to the light. You might think of that as as prayer, right? Reaching up to the Lord. But even then, we are ever and always rooted in Him. The life is flowing from Him to us. It's not something that we just kind of drum up in our own strength or power, but it all comes from our true vine, Jesus. This is the first point to draw out from this analogy, that the Christian life is passive, essentially passive. The second point is this. The Christian life is organic. And I don't just mean that it's more expensive at the grocery store, okay? The Christian life is organic. What do I mean by that? Well, let me put it this way. As a pastor, I need an extra large garbage can. And the reason for that is because pastors are constantly being marketed to and getting all of this mail, whether it be old-fashioned mail or whether it be email, constantly treating us pastors as though we were basically religious engineers. And this is all due respect to engineers, okay? But it's this understanding of, well, okay, pastor, all you need to do is kind of tweak a little bit about your church here and, you know, put in a little bit of elbow grease there. And the next thing you know, your church is just going to grow. It's going to be pumping on all cylinders. See See what I did there with the engineering? Okay. As Christians, and especially as pastors, we are much more gardeners than mechanics, see? We are much more gardeners than mechanics because the Christian life is not something that can just be forced. It's, it's not a matter of just you know, tweaking this kind of thing here as though we were just, again, dysfunctional. The goal is not for you to be a functional Christian, but for us to be rooted in Christ. Our growth as believers, it comes organically, naturally, flowing from the Lord. And this has at least a couple of important implications. First of all, it does mean that we can kind of create the conditions for growth um, when you think of with with the vine. So we have the, the nurturing fertilizer of the sacrament. We have the water of God's word, the light of his forgiveness. These are the essential nutrients that all of us need as believers. And if you don't have it, if you're not regularly receiving God's word, or if you're not being supported in Christian community, if you're not receiving that nurture, that fertilizer of the sacrament, then yeah, you're going to dry up. You're going to wither. You're not going to be, you're not going to be as fruitful. So we do create the conditions for growth. 
But also, and even more importantly, this, the sense that the Christian life is organic means that you can't force it, see? You can't force it. Much as you might like to go out into your garden and just kind of yell at your vegetables, you know, and say, hey, come on, give me some more fruit already. Doesn't work that way. Nor, as my uh, kids have found out sometimes, when the flower is just starting to bloom, you can't go out and like open it up as though it were a package, okay? It doesn't work that way either, which seems so weird. This is part of the wonder and the mystery of God's work and how in its time, it unfolds and opens and blossoms. If the tree, if the fruit is not ripe, you can't pull it off. So you can't force it off. We can't force that fruit. Or as Paul says elsewhere, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the growth. God gives the growth. The Christian life is organic in that way, as well as being passive. The third point to lift up from this analogy of our Lord Jesus, of the vine and the branches, is that the Christian life is purposeful, is purposeful. Even before the time when our Lord Jesus walked the earth in his earthly ministry, there was the, the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle. And Aristotle said that all of creation, everything in creation has what he called a telos. And telos is this great Greek word, which means an aim, a goal, a fulfillment. Aristotle looked at all creation, he said, everything has a telos. Your teeth are for chewing. Your kidney is for filtration. I'm trying to teach this. This is a free parenting tip here. You know, I try to teach my kids, a couch is for sitting on, not for jumping on, okay? See, it has a telos, and kids, they disagree with that sometimes. But everything in creation has a telos, and even more so when it comes to you and me as human beings. And Jesus lifts us up with this metaphor of the vine and the branches by saying again and again and again that we bear much fruit. We bear much fruit. I mean, in the broadest sense, this is our human telos, our human purpose, is to bear much fruit. To be a human doesn't just mean to take up some space and some air for a while and then die. It means that you have a purpose given by God to bear much fruit, to bear much fruit. And I think that this explains why something like, well, you think of those, those old army commercials, why they resonate so much. Be all that you can be, see. What is that saying? It, it's a, a appealing to our innate sense that as human beings, we're made for a purpose. We have this potential that still needs to be drawn out, see. I was talking with a woman the other day, and she uh, said something funny to me. She said, I'm getting so close to retirement, and I can't wait. I said, yeah, well, that's really exciting. She said, I'm also deadly afraid. I was like, well, why are you afraid of retirement? Some of you already know what I'm going to say. She's like, I'm so afraid of retirement because I'm worried about not being useful. I'm worried about not being useful. And I get it because there's that sense that as human beings, we're made to bring forth fruit, to be purposeful. And to some of you folks who are retired, you know that God keeps giving you purposes, right? You'll suddenly become aimless, purposeless just because you get retired. But this is what we're made for, to bear fruit, to bring forth that spiritual fruit, as Jesus will say later in John 15, a fruit that lasts. So the Christian life is passive, it's organic, it's purposeful. And then finally, the Christian life is painful. It's painful. Jesus says that his Father prunes us in order that we might bring forth 
more fruit. Now, I didn't realize this. Some of you more agriculturally minded folks, you might know this. What percentage of a vine's growth gets pruned away each year, each winter time? Did you realize that it's up to 90%? Up to 90% of the vine is pruned away each and every year. Now, I can't say that's how it is in our spiritual lives or that God is going to prune away 90% of all that you are, all that you've done. But it does get at the fact that to be a Christian, to walk in the way of our Lord Jesus, to live by faith, does mean that we live in this, this cycle of repentance and forgiveness, that God continues to be at work on you. And I learned this phrase from our midwife a few years ago, productive pain. You know what she was referring to. Um, but there is a productive pain that comes through this pruning that God is, is working in you and in me, even through suffering and struggle. In all of that, we find the gift of God giving greater growth to you and me. I heard the story about uh, the comedian, late night talk show host, Stephen Colbert. And many of you are familiar with Stephen Colbert. You might not know, though, that he's actually a committed Christian, a committed Catholic Christian. And he, of course, was one of 11 children, okay, as a, uh, from a Catholic family one of 11 kids, but when he was 10 years old, his father and his two closest brothers died in a plane crash. And he's having this interview with a guy, and that comes up. And of course, the man is talking about, you know, what the impact that had on his life and you know, what difference it made for him. And Stephen Colbert starts talking about how it was a horrible, horrible event, obviously. He was the, the youngest of the kids, and so it was just him and his mom at that point. And he talked about how through that, he was drawn so much closer to his mom and to his other siblings, but also, and even more so, how he was drawn closer to the Lord. And so he makes a couple of remarkable statements. First, he says, he says this, he says, I find that I love the thing that I most wish had not happened. I love the thing that I most wish had not happened. Now, granted, he says that with a lot of years of space. He was not, 10-year-old Stephen Colbert was not saying that, right? But retrospectively, he was able to recognize the hand of God pruning him, working in and through that. And the uh, interviewer pushes him on this. He's like, how can, how can you say that thing? And uh, Colbert quotes from another good Catholic, J.R.R. Tolkien, who says, what punishments of God are not gifts? What punishments of God are not gifts? I don't know that I'm ready to say that. Maybe on my really good days. But he could say it because he had these eyes that see, as Jesus says, that that pruning, even though it's painful, is a gift. See, God bringing forth greater fruit in you and in me. It's hard, it's painful but it's also beautiful. Listen, we all go through seasons of life, and maybe for some of us it's not a season, but it's just a daily reality, where you feel totally sapped. Like you just don't have the strength, that you don't have that life in you anymore. The way that the, the psalmist puts it is that my strength is dried up as by the heat of summer, which we will get someday in northern Michigan. We will get it. 
But you know that feeling, that sensation of, I, I just don't have the energy, I don't have the strength, I don't have the life in me. But see, let me let you in on this secret from our Lord Jesus. Your life doesn't come from yourself. Your life comes from Him. So that when you feel yourself with so little strength, so little power, with so little life in you, you're actually in a great and glorious place. Because when you have nothing to give, when you find yourself utterly weak and devastated, that's precisely where our Lord Jesus meets you. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can't do nothing, see. But with him, bound to him as you are, you can do all things, see. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But as the branches to the vine, I am his and he is mine. You belong to Jesus. Your life is in him. And so come what may, you have that life eternally. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We stand to confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.